Welcome to Clear Creek Sunday Cast. So I'd like to begin with, with a question. And this question comes from John chapter 16, uh, verse 7. Jesus is about to leave his disciples, and so Jesus tells them this. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but I will go, and I will send him to you. And so I, I wonder, if you are one of Jesus' disciples, do you think this is a fair trade? Jesus is leaving. We as Americans like things we can quantify. We know about Jesus. We have lots of teaching about Jesus. They had just spent three years with Jesus, and now there is one coming, the advocate, who, will, who Jesus will send to them. And if I'm one of the disciples, I'm not sure I feel like this is an equal trade. I'm not sure because the question that I have is, would we rather have Jesus next to us, or would we have, rather have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of us? We're going to come back to that. David is currently in a sermon series. Um, he is going through the, um, through the Bible reading plan on, um, it is Bible.com or on the YouVersion app. And so it is the God is reading plan. It's a six-week reading plan and, or six-day, um, but there, there are scriptures that correspond to an element of who God is. And so last week, David did a wonderful job of talking about how God is here. And as I heard his sermon, it was well done. Um, and I would encourage you, if you haven't, go back and listen to it. But I was also um, listening to it, and I was like, yikes. Um, because... David said about 75% of what I had intended to say today, only way better. <laughs> so between the Bible Project video and the um, David sermon last week, you could just leave and be at lunch in like 20 minutes. <laughs> but so today we're going to talk about God's faithfulness. And I realized I didn't intend to do this. The last two times I've stood on this stage and preached, it has been on God's faithfulness. So we're going we're gonna to go for three in a row. And normally, maybe it's just the season of life I've been in, but when I think of God's faithfulness, I think of two circumstances. The first is when it feels like our life has been turned upside down, and when we have no idea what's going on, and when we feel we're just, we're lost. And then God is faithful, and he meets us where we are, and he walks alongside of us. Or it is when we have messed up, and we feel like we have placed distance between us and God, and we feel like that God is distant, and we are adrift because of our own actions. And maybe it's just me, but when I think of God's faithfulness, I usually think of it on those two levels. And so today we're going to hopefully look at how God has been faithful throughout the covenant promises that he has made. And when Israel felt abandoned, that God is faithful. And then when Jesus left, that God is still faithful. So if you would, turn.
turn with me to Romans chapter 15. Um, we're going to read verse 4 and then 7 through 9. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and in the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant to the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. And moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. So I'm going to do something that I really discourage our students from doing, which is always, again, exemplary preaching. I'm going to lift this passage out of its proper context. The context is that Paul is teaching on unity in the body and how Jew and Gentile have been brought together and how he's um, trying to help them work through their differences and see that unity in the body leads people to Jesus and that we glorify God by being like-minded and caring for one another. And the issue at hand is that there is disagreement amongst dietary regulations for people in the church. Some believe that Jesus has given us freedom and so we can, they can eat without, without guilt whatever they desire and that God has made all food clean. And so then they are, they are joining in this freedom and being able to eat what they want. And then there are others who are still clinging to the Jewish dietary regulations and have not, and have not kind of moved out of that. And so with that, there is this, there is this, um, this disagreement. And so Paul is teaching on unity, working through this issue. And he says that Jesus came as a servant to the Jews and the Gentiles were brought into faith so that God might be praised. And I, we, I showed the video because the Bible Project did a better job than I could of recapping the covenants. But we see in God's covenant with Israel that that or we see in God's covenant with Noah that God promised to never destroy the world in that manner again. And we see that God chose mercy over wrath. And then we see in the covenant with Abraham that God will make Abraham's descendants his chosen people. And that out of, out of his descendants, one might come who will bless all nations. And then Abraham laughed at God. I do not recommend that when you are making a covenant with God. But Abraham laughed at God because he did not believe that God was able to do this in his advanced age. And then God made a covenant with the nation of Israel. And this one is more transactional. That if you do what I say and the laws that I give you, then I will bless you. And we see lots of instances in the nation of Israel where God blessed them. And then if you do not do what I say, 
then I will send you into exile. And we see Israel, when, at the time of Jesus, had been in captivity for 700 years. And then David comes along, and he is a faithful king. And God promises that one day a king will come who will be in the line of David, who will forever reign on the throne, who will issue in the day of the Lord, a day when Israel can be free to, to live with God and to live in his presence, and that God will reign over them, and that this, the chosen, the chosen one, the Holy One of Israel, will usher in this time. And so we see that Jesus is the, is the fulfillment of this. And Isaiah, at a time when it did not look like God was faithful, this is after King David, Israel has turned to idolatry again and again and again. And God has... has given them warning after warning. And so then the Assyrians come. Then the Babylonians come. And so this is what a messianic prophecy that we see in Isaiah chapter 49. It says in verses 5 through 7, And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and to gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the Israel that I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord says, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, to him who is who was despised and abhorred by the nation to the, ser- to the servant of rulers. Kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see you and bow down. Because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. And we see at a time when it looked like God had given up when it looked like Israel was on their own, that God still remained faithful and that he would send one who would be a sign of God's faithfulness. And then Jesus comes and he is the fulfillment of God's faithfulness. If you want to see the embodiment of God's faithfulness, look at Jesus. Because Jesus is the true embodiment of God's faithfulness and that God was not satisfied to merely work through these covenants, but that all along he was tracing and working and building so that Jesus might come and we might experience the true fullness of God's love and we might see God's nature in Jesus and we might truly experience God's faithfulness. And we see it when Jesus took the wrath of God to the cross. Because God will no longer fully send his wrath on the earth, but he placed the wrath that we deserve onto Jesus. 
And we see it when, when God promised Abraham that he would bless all nations. And then Paul says that I will, that we bless God and we praise God because he has brought not only Jews but Gentile into salvation and into relationship with him. And in the covenant that God made with Israel, where he projected forward the day of atonement and the Passover, and we see the true fullness of God fulfilling the promises that he had made, that God is faithful, and that true faithfulness is found in Jesus. And then the king who would come, who would reign, not a king of military might, but a king of servant love who will one day reign over all. And we see the true faithfulness of God present in Jesus. That Jesus is the embodiment of God's faithfulness and that he was faithful all along. And we see that he has been faithful to work and to move to who Jesus is. And so I don't want us to, to stop here and to, to miss our ability to participate in God's faithfulness. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of God, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from our guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. And we see that Jesus, that he is at the right hand of God, that he is the head of the body, the church, and that he has purified us and that we are now able to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess so that we may encourage one another all the more as the day approaches, so that we may join in the work of God, so that we may be a part of God's faithfulness. We see God's faithfulness in the church, that he, he has gifted us with people to come along and encourage us, and that we are no longer bound by the covenant, but that we see the church, the bride of Christ. And when Jesus left, he gave us the Holy Spirit who gives gifts to the church to build one another up so that we may serve faithfully, so that we may live for God so that we may bring his kingdom. 
Because Jesus, when he was talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, said, in John chapter 16, verse 7, he says, But truly I tell you, it is better for you that the advocate will not, but truly I tell you, it is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. I butchered that. but Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak to you on his own, but he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will, what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So I asked you kind of a misleading question earlier. Would you rather have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit or would you rather have Jesus next to you? Because the truth is that through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we get to see Jesus, that we get to be pointed to Jesus that we see the faithfulness of Jesus, that he would not leave us on our own, but that he would leave us the Holy Spirit, who then, in order for the body to be built up, is able to build each one of us so that we may build one another until all the more we see the day of the Lord come, until we see everyone be able to praise God for his goodness. Because we have the Spirit, and the Spirit points us to Jesus, and in this we see God's faithfulness, and we see how truly faithful God is, so that we may join in his faithfulness, and we may live for him, so that the world may know him, and that he may be praised for what he has done. There's another covenant Jesus made. There's a covenant that Jesus made on the night he was betrayed. And in it, he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So every week at Clear Creek, we remember what Jesus has done. We remember his faithfulness. We remember his goodness. We remember that it is in Christ that we find our sufficiency and that it is through him that we find life. And so every week, we set aside time to remember Jesus. And I would encourage you, it it sounds weird because this is not how usually we talk about communion, make this a time of response. 
If you are joyful at what Jesus has done, praise him. That is a worthy response to Jesus. If we have something in our life that we're dealing with, commune with Jesus and listen to what the Spirit has to say. But during this time, we set aside to remember. We remember our faithful God who made a way. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are faithful even when we are not faithful. God, I thank you that we see your goodness, that we see your love. God, may we be people who live for you so that the whole world may know. It's in Jesus' name I pray.